Welcome to School of Movies. <laughs> Doctor Who, the movie? It was on the planet Skyrim that my old enemy, the Master, was finally put on trial. They say he listened calmly as his list of evil crimes was read and sentence passed. Then he made his last, and I thought somewhat curious request. He demanded that I should take his remains back to our home planet, Gallifrey. You have two hearts. Who are you? I am the Doctor. He's taken most of my regeneration. By midnight tonight, this planet will be pulled inside out. There will be nothing left. No way. I swear. I am a tiny. Well, I thought you were a doctor. I thought you were a doctor. I am calling an ambulance to take you back to psychiatric, from which we've obviously escaped. This is his last chance to stay alive, and you know it. What do you know of last chances? More than you. The Eye of Harmony is open. If I don't close it, get my TARDIS and the Master off this planet, this planet will no longer exist. Doctor Who, coming soon to the This is another commissioned show, and we can honestly say we would never ever have covered this on our own steam and now if anything we're too familiar with this movie if you want to call it a movie so you guys can extend your thanks to andy natan for making this show possible because we're about to have some fun with a stupid production and surprisingly quite a good doctor completely wasted on this failed pilot of sorts Now, we only know a bit about Doctor Who, Sharon and I. We watched some when we were kids. We caught the first few series of The Resurgence beginning in 2005 and thus completely missing this movie. And uh, we watched uh, the... What? I watched quite a lot of Doctor Who when I was a kid and I'd saw this movie years ago. Okay. (laughs) Sharon's got some knowledge to lay on us. I I don't remember a lot of it, but um, but, yeah, I, I liked Doctor Who when I was younger. I said we watched some, mm. so you watched more than some. Um, most of Peter Davidson's run, All right. a bit of Colin Baker, Ooh. and the vast majority of Sylvester McCoy. Okay. Sophie Aldred rules. Right. Yes, she does. <laughs> so I only watched some when I was kids, and uh, I caught the first series of The Resurgence, as did Sharon, back in 2005, and thus I completely missed this movie. And we watched all the way up to the end of the 10th Doctor's run and got a bit cheesed off with several things about Doctor Who that we will surely go into on this show. And so we've never really watched much of the Matt Smith Doctor, although we did watch The Day of the Doctor the other day, and that's how you do a Doctor Who movie. Whovians have asked us to cover... Doctor Who in general several times but similarly to anime we have neither the interest nor the time to do it justice interestingly enough I have more engagement in uh, speculation about the kind of wider world of Doctor Who and the content of it like reading the Wikipedia page and stuff Mm -hmm. like that than actually watching watching the, the show. actual <laughs> shenanigans on screen. Yes. So the law interests you more. Yes, very much. So, so. kind of like Neil with uh, Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah. I am. There you go. By the way, hello. I'm here. <laughs> I, I was getting to you. <laughs> Hang on. Um, 
What we do better than covering vast swathes of cult TV is looking at the focused structure of a movie you sit down and watch all in one sitting. That's what our style of analysis applies itself to best of all. That's why we're not called School of TV or School of Comics or School of Video Games. There's too much material in those mediums, too much uh, to talk about mechanics and filling episode quotas and all these just this vast amount of characters and all this law and stuff that just happens in TV. Like all of our TV shows, all we can do is really give you an overview. But we have. Oh, I'm sure if someone gave you three hundred and fifty dollars, we could convince you to do all seven seasons of The West Wing eventually. Three hundred and fifty dollars? You're having a laugh. <laughs> Ma- mm. That's that. That's a lot of time. I mean, it's a great show, but that's a lot of. That's the reason we haven't gone back to Battlestar Galactica yet. You know, it's that's 75 hours of, t- of uh, TV Oof. to talk about. Oof. And that, that's a show we loved, including the ending. Uh, but we have, on to ans- <laughs> we have on to answer all of our Time Lord questions. Long-time friend of the show, Mr. Neil Taylor. Hello, Neil. Hello. Would you like a jelly baby? I would love a jelly baby. Thank you very much. Uh, it, it better have been in a bag and not just in your hand, because that's gross. Of course it was in a brown paper bag. Okay, that's fine then. So the best way for us to really do this is to take you through, uh, as with Zardoz, from beginning to end, describing the madcap goings-on, because most people will not have seen this movie and probably don't need to. But the Okay, can, f- first, I, I've yeah. been nice, I've been quiet. Yeah. I'm going to stop being nice and quiet now. Was it because you love the movie? No, stop calling it a freaking movie. It oh, wasn't. It's a t- okay, so the, uh, a movie-length... TV pilot. It's lit- in America. It is literally called Doctor Who the movie. It's just called Doctor yes. Who in the UK. It's it's a one that bugs me. It was. It's a couple of different things. It is a very. It is a backdoor pilot, as you said. Mm-hmm. It was also a one-off special that they that was it sort of rolled in there as well. And it's, mm-hmm. it's weird how he got there, but over here it was built off as like a one-off special, the return of Doctor Who, because he'd been off TV properly for years and years by this point. And um, it was a weird setup to be a. They were trying to bring it back, mm. and they figured the only way that they could bring it back was with 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 American money. For history, the last episode of the the seventh Doctor, that's Sir Western McCoy, was Survival, and that aired in eighty nine. So this was seven years after that, and uh, McCoy showed back up. So yeah, how how were they trying to reboot the series? So basically, at the time it went off, the then controller of the BBC had no interest in Doctor Who, didn't like oh, it. that's Alan Yentop, right? Yeah, I believe so. It I, I, names and stuff, I'm not going to be so great on them, some of it gets mixed up, because it's, it's all over the place, and I'm going off memory for most of this. Didn't that, want it on. It made me laugh, because uh, there was an episode of Absolutely Fabulous where a Moroccan houseboy was called Yentop, and I was like, ah... Oh. Okay, I get that joke now, like 25 years later. <laughs> yeah, there was reasons for those jokes. Um, so, yeah, once it gone, and it it, it, it it got no big season finale or anything. It literally was like, yeah, and you're done. Yeah. And the last lines of Doctor Who put until that point was, come on, Ace, let's go home. Uh. So, um, like, that last episode, was it? I actually saw that. When it screened, I had no idea I was watching the last episodes, uh, but I saw The Curse of Fenris. That's the one with, like, the, uh, or the Fenrir? Fen- I would say Fenris, Fenric. but I think it's yeah. Fenric, yeah. yeah uh, um, that's the one where they're, like, back in World War Two, and then there's, like, these under- underwater vampires or something. And to do with Ace's family. And stuff yeah, scared well, the crap yeah. out of me. Um, and then the <laughs> next, they go to the planet of the cat people. 
And yep. that does play into this film. Because the master... Because if you spend too much time on this planet, you start turning into a cat person. And Ace yeah, starts yeah. turning into a cat person a bit. And the master gladly turns into a cat person and starts doing cat eyes. And he starts doing cat eyes in this movie. Like, most of the... T- when he's not wearing sunglasses, there's like a 50-50 chance that he's doing cat eyes. I think it's because he's meant to be a jizz snake, as someone called him on Twitter, which I quite liked. A jizz snake. <laughs> that's that's a reasonable summation. We will get to the jizz snake later, because we can't not. Oh, sorry, I, I do find that that was quite... So, yes, yeah, so with the current... The, the, and so, it's like, okay, we want, people did want to bring Doctor Who back. It still, for the most part, had a cult following. You know, it's it's very... Lot, it had a very big following in Britain, around, like, say, in the States. It, it's more of a cult following at the time, because of I think it aired on PBS over there. Mm-hmm. So, they, you know, so people did like it. And there was interesting in bringing it back, but they wanted to do it as an American show, hence some weird little changes that you may notice in... the crop up gotcha. <laughs> that 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 i happily have to say one good thing about new who as much as it ignores old who as much as possible and new who. You know, the law and everything um, it does at least ignore the half human stupidity yeah i was going to ask about the half human we'll get to that when they start talking about it but um yeah that was that, that was uncalled for um, <laughs> so so like w- was the idea going to be that it was going to still be a british doctor but it'd be sexy doctor who Kind of, yeah. To be honest, it was going to be New Who before New Who. That's the vibe you get from it. You can watching it uh, back. You can get sort of a new the New Who vibe from it. Uh, the slick production, the look of the show, things along those lines do seem to have been carried over. But when you watch it, the only way I can describe it is when you watch it, it, it does not feel like you're watching a British show. It mm. does feel you are watching an American show. Yeah, yeah no, his production, yeah. its style, and everything in it. Well, it was shot in Canada, so it's got that slightly more American. Like, it's got that weird transatlantic vibe to it, where it could be anywhere. But uh, I, it, it's def- they're definitely like they make no bones about the fact that they're in America. Oh yeah, you know that's a big part of this. I just like the fact that you say Canada. It was Toronto, isn't it? Mm. It's always Toronto. That's got a booming. <laughs> Toronto doubles as everything. Um, but, I mean, if I had watched this in 96 versus the first Eccleston one, which really, you know, drew me in. I, I actually caught Doctor Who way later, like 2007 or 8. I just I got hold of the first series and just marathoned it. But the first couple where he first meets Rose and the... Uh, do you remember, like, Mickey the Idiot and the, 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 the mannequins coming after them? That, that got me into Doctor Who. If I'd just watched this, it would not have been me, he, for new Who. No, I can I can understand that. Oh, I will say though that Russell T Davis's first series has held up about as well as this film. Oh, come on! I, I I'll be honest. I don't like Russell T Davis's series. I did like the um. Uh, I'm trying to remember the the, the lonely was it this the soiled child, the isolated child, the lonely child, the lonely child, the lo- Are you my mummy? The silent child. Are you my mummy one? That's creepy as all hell. Oh, no, no. Get me, don't get me wrong. Some of them were absolutely fantastic. Bear in mind, he didn't write all of them, and I don't think he wrote that one. I could be wrong. And I liked the one where the Dalek turned up and the Doc was really scared of it, and uh, it was talking to him and it was scared to die. That was a good one. There's a lot, lot of good moments, but a lot of it, if... And I liked Rose. On record, I... All right, I fucking hate Rose Tyler. Oh, God. <laughs> she annoys the ever-loving crap out of me. Okay, so you're more of a Martha man. Ah, uh, no. Um, uh, the one who was Nebula? Amy Pond? 
No. Oh, God. Um, who was after Martha? It was Catherine Tate. Oh, God! Okay, I feel about Catherine Tate's character, Donna Troy. No, Donna that's Troy. Wonder Girl. Donna Noble, about, as you do about Rose Tyler there. To be fair, the interesting thing about... I, I, and I get why no one likes it. I, but what I like about it is her arc is so sad mm. that she that's goes true. through all this fantastic character growth and grows as a person, and it's all wiped away at the end. Oof. It's heartbreaking. Spoilers for later series, Doctor <laughs> but... Uh, but yeah, folks, uh, there's, there's, we're going to be talk. We have to talk about a lot of Doctor Who. We can't go mm, spoilers about that. We're going to be talking. It's all over. Kinds of Doctor. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There's over fifty bloody years yeah. of history to also, it. We can, we need Neil to explain this stuff to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, this movie was directed by Jeffrey Sachs, who also went on to do Stormbreaker. Yay! There's a career and a half. Mm-hmm. And like he did a bunch of other things that I have never heard of, um, and probably should have done. Question mark. It was written by Matthew Jacobs, and if you look on Wikipedia, it says, script editor, none. And I thought, well, there's one of your first problems. <laughs> you have to do an editing pass, because then you will get you can get someone who knows how story structure works to go, well, wait a second, it's 28 minutes in, and we don't even have a hero yet. Uh, Matthew Jacobs had uh, previously worked on Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and he went on to write Kingdom of the Sun. Do you know that one, Sharon? Neil? Name rings a bell, but I'm struggling I'm to place it. I'm thinking of something completely different, aren't I? I think I'm, I'm thinking th- of a combination of Empire of the Sun <laughs> yeah. and... Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kingdom of Heaven. Also of Heaven. No, it's none of those things. It's the Emperor's New Groove before it was funny. Oh, God. <laughs> we will be doing a podcast on that, obviously, at the end of the Disney Renaissance, but uh, 90s Renaissance, third Renaissance. But, uh, yeah, it was basically going to be The Road to El Dorado, or uh, The Prince and the Pauper, but a, a serious Aztec drama. And then it turned into a screwball comedy, like uh, after a Black Friday. So this guy wrote the version that we never saw. And I kind of want to see what that version was going to be. And the music was done by John Debney, which a lot of people mention. He did, uh, I believe, Iron Man 2. So you'll have heard him recently on our uh, Sound of Gonzo on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So what you're saying is he got better then? Yeah, uh, people don't like his theme on this because obviously that's the one close to their hearts. Mm. I I have to say, I was trying to, when we started watching it, I was thinking, what about it? Because something fell off. Uh Something didn't feel right. I was trying to put my finger on it and, and I was sort of very aware of the fact that there were probably several things combining. But actually one of them was the score, the fact mm. that you had this persistent underlying music which just seemed very uncharacteristic of Doctor Who. If it had had a score by David Arnold and been really serious and dramatic... It would have felt way more like a movie and it still wouldn't have felt like Doctor Who. Yeah. Basically something on the set Damned has to do. be made of cardboard, otherwise yeah. it just doesn't feel right. Oh, good point. Uh, and it was filmed in Toronto and intended as a continuation of the original series. At the same time, the pilot for an American-produced run on Doctor Who, as we said. Um, the producers of the television movie compiled several lists of actors to consider for the part of the Doctor. Among early thoughts were Michael Crawford. No. No. Uh, Tim Curry. Yes. No. No? No. I'm kind of on the fence about that one. All right. Eric Idle. 
Huh. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, would have been nice to see him. Yeah. He could have at least done a comic relief version of the Doctor. Mm. Um, Billy, he'd have been funnier than Doctor Who in the case of Death and Blood or whatever that Rowan Atkinson one was. Yes. Uh, Billy Connolly. That I would have loved. Yeah, would have that would have been interesting. Yeah, I would like. I could see Billy doing that, yeah. actually. Trevor Eve. Never I don't heard. know who that is. Uh, I don't know who that is. Michael Palin. Possibly. Yep. But he would have been very similar to McCoy. Robert Lindsay. Yeah, seeing as he's from where I live, yes. <laughs> and jo- <laughs> Jonathan Price. There's no news. Yes, like so bad what? news. Yeah, you know, I could probably have seen Jonathan Price do it. He would have been quite fun. Uh, all were uninterested in the project or unavailable for the intended filming dates. Now, I think mm. that second one's where they were like, like Amy Adams. Oh no! Oh yeah! Thank you. Oh, no, that's no. so sweet of you. No, that's unavailable. Like Charlie Hunnam mysteriously became unavailable for Fifty Shades of <laughs> Among the actors who were invited to audition for the role of the Doctor but declined the opportunity were Christopher Eccleston and Peter Capaldi. <laughs> Eccleston and Capaldi were going to play the ninth and 12th incarnations of the Doctor, respectively, in the revived series Doctor Who, or New Who, if you will, which began in 05. Eccleston turned down the offer to audition. See, Eccleston doesn't even explain this, Neil. He doesn't come back. He doesn't party. He does not play well with Doctors. What, what All right, the, do, you want, do you want my honest opinion of Christopher Eccleston? Um, don't, don't say the C word, but you can say anything else. <laughs> He's a bit of a twat. Okay. Because yeah, most of the time... No, the best way I can describe it is he gets very excited about project, will big up the project, and then will never want to talk about the project, saying he had a horrible time on it. Yeah. See, Gone in 60 Seconds, G.I. Joe, fair point on that Thor one I'll the give Dark you. World. Thor The Dark World, Doctor Who Season 1. Mm. Has anybody pointed out to him the adage of, you often get out what you put in, Chris? <laughs> But I mean, like the, one of the things about Doctor Who has always been its heritage, and those are the thing, the episodes that get me excited when, like, they have crossovers. And it was really, you know, I have never really seen. Uh, I sat down and watched Matt Smith be the Doctor, but having he's joyous, he's actually quite fun. He, he was fun to sort of. He was a, he's a different kind of eccentric version of the Doctor. Yes. Um. Um. But seeing him up against David Tennant was like, okay, I have context now. I, I can see the difference between their managerial approach. The trouble is, he also gets crushed by, no offence to Matt Smith, who is a wonderful man and a a great actor, but yeah, Tennant just goes, yeah, I'm stealing this, I'm back, I'm stealing it. I don't want to go. He even got that, he always says that, he even got that line in there as well. But then again, both of these guys are just standing there, and then the great (laughs) John Hurt comes out as the war doctor. You know what, the one thing I can always say I'm so happy about is that Eccleston didn't want to do the 50th, so he got John Hurt instead. It's like, oh my god and not only that we had oh Derek Jacobi Derek uh, did he, yeah he came in to be the master for a brief time didn't he we, we also he, got um uh puddle glum what's his name Colin Baker Colin oh, Baker. Tom Baker Tom Baker Jelly Babies himself turning up at the end in that lovely little uh, with moment. the best line of uh, you might find yourself revisiting a, a few old friends a few old faces maybe just a few of your favorites <laughs> it, that was lovely like i said like the heritage is so important so basically when you sign on for doctor who it should really be like a marvel movie now where it's like do you basically swear that for the rest of your life when we call on you for a special you'll turn up and do a few days work you ask them they come they seriously do uh there was the comedic uh when they were on about the 50 there was the little comedic side series that they did with peter davison Tom, no, Colin Baker mm-hmm. and Sylvester McCoy. Aww. They they do come back. 
Well, that's that's how that's the way it should be. Basically, Eccleston's no, I don't want anything to do with it. Is completely the wrong way to take Doctor Who, and basically from now on, every subsequent Doctor, they really need to say, "Are you going to do an Eccleston on us?" In which case, no, don't do an Eccleston, folks. It's not nice. I mean, even if you hate it, just take the time out of your summer and go and just, you know, just do it for the kids. Colin Baker, who went through such a hard time in his run as the Doctor, had to basically put up with a lot of crap behind the scenes. Still loves to talk about it and still loves to come back. Oh. So, What would he have to put up with? Uh, <laughs> I look that one up. Was, I don't was go Tom stealing his jelly babies? Uh, no, there was, there was some very nasty stuff going on behind the oh, scenes. Geez. It's okay. stuff that, if I get wrong, leaves us open to get in trouble. So okay, okay. Oh, fair okay. enough. So, so uh, Google might, might be worth the Google kids. Research afterwards. Okay. But it's, I suppose it's like any long-running TV show where there is a history and there is the enthusiasm that goes with it that you get to know the people that you're working with and you actually form relationships and, and you know, long-term... It's it's unusual for people who work in films and TV to come in and, and do the same job day after day after day for very, very long periods of time, unless they're attached to a long-running TV show. I mean, if you look at it this way, uh, for the realm of sci-fi, your longest-running sci-fi show that I think can think of off the top of my head next to this is Stargate, which was 10 years and a couple of movies. Mm. Your Star Trek's is seven years at most, a couple mm. of movies there. Um, there they might be stuff I'm not thinking of. I don't know how Twilight Zone falls because that's a bit of a strange one. That's the limits kind of stuff like that. Yeah. But there, well, there wasn't no actors every time, yeah. aren't they? So it's, yeah. it's not necessarily the the long running connection. But you're right about um, Star Trek. That kind of that built up its own um, uh, sort of the sense of the family of mm. the the cast. And again, the crossover episodes were the reasons to be excited when yeah. Spock turned up. And I mean, if you think it. about the fact that that. Uh, British TV shows, which unless it was a soap opera, you, they're short. Mm. Yeah, you six know, they're, episodes. They're put together in a much shorter length of time than a, a, a long, long-running, ongoing series. Mm. So again, that opportunity to get to know people and, and see and work with the same people for for long periods of time just didn't happen. It's just six weekends in March and April. Mm. Yeah, and then you move on and do the next thing. Yeah. So one final thing I want to talk about before we head into the movie. Um, there was an interesting cabinet. My doctor is Sylvester McCoy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have mixed feelings for this because, bye, Sylvester. I, I, thank you. I, I liked you very much. You were my doctor. I like the fact that this is the first in his run he was where he was getting dark. Mm-hmm. And they were working on a very interesting idea. So you, uh, if you like the crossovers, ch- check out the five doctors because it's five doctors. Mm. Is so, that yes. uh, uh, an actual episode or what is it? it, it yeah, it is an episode done to celebrate the uh, five doctors. Okay, that's one we haven't seen yet, and we will. Uh, yeah, so you've got I can't remember who's playing the first doctor because it, it, it's not the original actor. It is Patrick Troughton. It is um, uh, da, 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 da. ah John Pertwee, Tom Baker, and Peter Davidson. Nice. So you've got all that there. Okay. Uh, but one of the things, throughout the many, many seasons, there was a lot of Time Lord lore that was revealed. And uh, I'm trying to really remember there was Omega. And I think it's Rassilon with, like, the two big important figures in, in Time Lord lore that helped them create time travel and discover all that. But apparently it, it was slowly revealed that there was a third one called, I think it was The Other. 
And the initial idea that they were trying to do was, as you can probably see where this is going, the Doctor was going to be revealed to have been the other. The other. Okay. Because if you had a genuine Time Lord and that he was one of the progenitors of it. Yeah, but it never came to pass, which is why if you actually watch a lot of Sylvester McCoy, he's a lot darker hmm. before f- compared to the other Doctors. He is a lot more menacing and he doesn't mess about a lot of the time. So it's kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, that didn't pan out, and he subsequently gets punked in this film. Yeah, um, we'll get to that in a second. But this is this is a this is. I mean, I've only seen like four doctors get taken out. This is the worst. But um, okay, two more things before we start. Upon translation into French, this film was renamed Le Seigneur du Temps. Literal translation being the Lord of Time, which is actually a pretty good name. Yeah, I kind of like that. Uh, although you could also call it the Lords of Time, you know, in that the Masters in there, and like, um, if it was made these days, it would have um, they they would be like face to face on the cover, Civil War style, or yeah. Harry Potter Eight style, or The Hangover Three style. Uh, Maureen Patton on the Daily Express praised the movie. Uh, at least we have a grown-up high-tech Doctor Who in Paul McGann. Only a low-tech Luddite would miss the endearing amateurism of the old tea-time serial format. The makers would be mad not to pursue the option of a series. Turns out they were. Mm. Uh, uh, low-tech Luddite over here, because I did. <laughs> Matthew Bond of the Times by contrast stated, as if the series is to return, it will need stronger scripts than this simplistic offering, yes, quite, which struggled to fill 85 minutes and laboured somewhat in its search for wit, <laughs> as well, as quiet. The, le- <laughs> the letters pages of the Radio Times were divided between viewers who liked and disliked the movie. Discussing, uh, discussing it, Gary Gillat criticised it for having too many unnecessary references to the show's backstory. Gillat added, although very entertaining, stylishly directed and perfectly played... Perfectly played?! The TV movie perhaps tried a little too hard to be what Doctor Who once was, rather than crusading to demonstrate what it could be in the future. I'm going to agree with Gary uh, Gary Gillat there. That's actually pretty much on on point. They they were supposed to be pitching a new Doctor, like the new sexy, and it was uh, quite a lot of futtering around. Who are you? I was dead too long this time. The anaesthetic almost destroyed the regenerative process. Yeah. I- I'm going to get... A syringe. I'm going to take some blood. I don't know what's going on. Grace, 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 Grace. Don't you see? I have 13 lives. Please. (laughs) Okay, you're trying to tell me that you've come back from the dead. Yes. No, sorry. The dead stay dead. You can't turn back time. Yes, you can. I'm not a child. Don't talk to me like I'm a child. Only children believe that crap. I am a doctor. But it was a childish dream that made you a doctor. You dreamt you could hold back death. Isn't that true? So let's begin the footering around. <laughs> Can I just point out, this is also after um, Alien 3. I had to look this up because I couldn't remember which one came first. Oh, yeah, so Paul McGann played Golic in that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, just run and thought, Charles Dance as Doctor Who would be kind of cool. Yes. Mm. He could play him now, frankly. Yeah. It would be like evil Capaldi. If God was a villain, he'd be me. Oh, Last Action Hero. How oh, yeah. We, sh- we should do that sometime. We should do that. That was meta before meta was a thing. Totally. 
That bit about the the too many references to the backstory, by the way, I, I, I'm sure I will get into this later on, but I didn't have a problem with the references. What I had a problem with was the... Explanation. Explanation Dude, you've got 85 minutes. There, there is no time for ex- explanations, unless they are really required. Indeed. Um, right, so we begin on planet butthole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, planet Scarrow. It's Scarrow, but it's got a butthole in it. For no reason. Anyone who's seen this movie will go, oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's a giant red, uh, red raw butthole of a planet named Scaro. And this is where the master has been imprisoned in a disco blender. He gets executed and he asks that the doctor look after his remains and take them oh, back to no, 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 no. The first issue with this thing. Okay, I get it. The, the master is an evil guy. He's yep. finally been caught. He's been imprisoned and executed for his crimes. Completely with you up until this point. Maybe great. What? Wait. What do you mean? It's by the Daleks, and the Daleks have let the Doctor take the act. What? What? The Daleks don't do that. They shoot. They kill. And if the Doctor turns up, they try and shoot and kill him, and usually fail miserably. So were the Daleks playing Quintessons here? Going, is he guilty or innocent? Innocent. Then execute him. Exterminate. Was it, was it that? Was it? Maybe it just made me wish I was watching Transformers instead. Yeah. Innocent. So... But yeah. <laughs> the fucking Daleks don't do that! No one ever tried saying to the Daleks, though, bar weep, granar weep, ninibong. And they'd just go exterminate. Yeah, they totally would. So apparently this master has been in prison for his crimes, and he's still got... Did he have the cat eyes there? I didn't really see it. I can't remember now. Is he imprisoned or was he dead? He's they killed him. him. They kill yeah. him, basically. They, they imprisoned him in a blender, and then they executed him. Turned him into a sperm snake. Okay. The jizz snake. The jizz snake. They blended him good. <laughs> so we're going to put you in a blender, yep. and then we're going to kill you. Is that like we're going to increase the temperature of your but, planet by a thousand degrees every day? <laughs> for five consecutive for five days. days. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and I don't know how much of a cat he turned into in survival. Do you, do you remember this episode, Neil? I, I owned it at one point. I can't remember because it's not a great. It's not. It's not that good. It's uh, sort of a rather than a big bang for the doctor to go out on. It, 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 yeah, very much a whimper, I'm afraid. Um, so uh, anyway, we, we cut to then the doctor Sylvester McCoy, the seventh doctor, is in in his TARDIS on the way back. Is he on the way to Gallifrey at this point? Yes, he's on his way to return the, the, the ashes of the master. Gotcha. The remains of the master. And he's got like a funeral urn in a box or a Which chest he, with the remains yes, in it. Yes, it's got like a ceremonial box that's so got yeah. the urn in that he puts it and quite sensibly locks. Yeah. Because he's not an idiot. Yeah. And, you know, snakes can't undo locks. Um, but then they're, they're flying along in space and he's listening to a song about time whilst reading... Uh, the Time Machine, the HG Wells classic, and eating jelly babies and drinking tea. Um, and then there's a big crack sound, and the box cracks open, and a jizz snake crawls out. Right. Yeah. This just, the, the <laughs> reading the Time Machine, listening to a record about time. The TARDIS is full of clocks. It's a little on the there's nose. calendars everywhere. <laughs> Constant references to alarm clocks and resetting time. They were really keen that everybody grasped that this. He's a time lord. He just loves time. Time travel. <laughs> and it, but it's, it's, it's weird. Can't get enough of it. By the end Although- of it, yeah, I was sat there thinking, this isn't the kind of time travel that the Doctor really engages in. No. Not he really. just sort of he shows up and and observes events. In fact, I have a question for you about that later, Neil. 
okay. but um, but they they really did seem to sort of maybe because of this whole we have to sell this to Americans thing. Mm. It's like they seem to be trying to give us back to the future style explanations of how things work. It's very um, Doc Brown's house in the first one, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But it's kind of like fall in love with this British eccentric and then we're going to kill him. What? (laughs) I will say yes, all that's on the nose, but God damn it, that set design is quite lovely. Oh, it's it's, it's nice to look at. I really like the interior of the uh, the TARDIS. It is very sort of Victorian gentleman smoking room. Yes. uh, Yes. But I really, really like it. Especially for those of us that grew up watching Doctor Who that had the sparse white room with the little circle things. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes, I recall that. Um... So the the master's box breaks and then jizz leaks out. We then cut to an elderly Asian couple in San Francisco in 1999. So it's, it's sort of the San Francisco by, by way of Vancouver. Mm. Um, and then a young lad, possibly their son? Is he, are they his parents? I don't think so. All right, just just a completely I, random Asian couple. Yeah, I, I, yeah I don't know about the... He does the, ask about his mum and dad later, so maybe they're supposed he, oh, to be. Maybe he is then. Yeah. I don't know. Again, well, this is because this film fails to establish important things and spends way too long re-establishing things that actually don't enter into the story that much yes. and repeating the same very simple things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In fact, they, there's also another thing as well I noticed. Attempts at visual storytelling mm-hmm. that fall ridiculously flat. See, the whole, like I said, something about it felt off to me. It didn't feel like Doctor Who and, and music, one thing, trying to make it feel like a movie and not quite managing. Um, the sort of the use of firearms and the US setting, it, it, that all felt really undoctor to me. Then you have the TARDIS landing in front of a Visit London poster with a picture yeah. of a bearskin-hatted royal guard on it. You're not convincing us that this isn't England at this stage. I it, it just like if you if you want to say this is set in America, completely embrace the American context. Why then throw at us Visit London? We wish we were. Put it in like like so that you can literally see the Golden Gate Bridge because it's San Francisco, so it's the equivalent of having Big Ben and da, 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 da. they actually do show the Golden Gate Bridge later, even though they're in Toronto. Yeah, well, you know, it's file footage. Uh, but so yeah, there's this lo- young Asian lad cornered by the triads about to be gunned down, which feels a bit racist. But uh, like then the TARDIS appears around him and goes and he's like oh god what's this wibbly thing and everyone goes oh my god it's the quickening and there's all this like lightning and stuff happening in the sky and then the TARDIS appears and I thought if it appears around you do you not then get like warped inside it that's how they've done it since yeah okay so I'm not imagining that I, I swore that that happened in one of the earlier ones. If like, Blink, later ones. If Blink, Blink done go. it um, uh, Bill and Ted style, where it appears from the sky and falls, it would have just landed on him and crushed him like a bug. Strange things are afoot in San Francisco. Doing air quotes there. Um, so, yeah, uh, what he actually, he gets teleported backwards a few feet so that he's yeah, behind it, the TARDIS. Yes. Okay, so Neil, could you explain what the hell happens next? Because I was like, okay, so uh, what? Then apparently <laughs> Sylvester McCoy's doc- the doctor steps out of the TARDIS, locks the door, turns around and is shot by the triads. Yeah. Um, okay, right. First, first things first. 
that thing's got windows, right? Yes. You can see what's outside, right? You can think, ha-ha, men with guns, I'd better stay in here. Considering the crazy crap that the Doc gets involved with every single day of his life, you'd think you'd like do that sort of like... Peek your head out, put it back in again. Peek your head out. Well, Is this even a, breathable? Gets better. He has a complete bloody scanner that you can turn on inside to see what's going on outside the TARDIS. <sighs> and he doesn't use it. And it's the fatal error because he gets his ass popped a cap in. So, yeah, they, they, they gun him down. It's, it's quite horrendous, actually. Um, they um, they dialed back a little bit of this uh, the, the, the gunning down for the broadcaster because Dunblane had just happened a few Ooh. weeks previously. Now, Americans where uh, gun massacres happen so often that by the time we put this out, another one will have occurred. Oh, that, thanks for that. That's terrible. It is one of the things I really wish would stop about the world and one of the ways we can stop it is better restrictions on gun ownership. But, uh, Not to in, get too political, I'll point out that Dunblane happened and we banned handguns. Exactly. We banned handguns and there were very well, I mean, there were very few massacres before then in England. There were very few massacres after then. And it made it just really hard to massacre anybody. Um, so if look, look to the UK if you want to see how taking away people's handgun rights results in fewer murders and accidental deaths through toddlers discharging firearms. Don't look to the UK for anything else at the moment. No, Christ, no. Just don't, no, God, no. Just don't look to you, UK for reliable leaders. To be fair, the there's an interesting Christ. observation to be made about the whole thing, which is for a different show completely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Anyway, um, so the dot gets gunned down, because everyone in San Francisco's got guns, especially the triads, and this, this uh, Chinese fellow um, runs around... I, I'm going to say, I think he's Chinese... I, I, he is He is referred to later on as the Asian child. The Asian child. Which is nice and non-specific. Ah, the Asian child. So, well, yes. to, be, to be fair, the golden child was already taken. Oh, nice. Yeah, fair point. So the Asian child runs in there and goes, hold on there, little guy. Chang Li will help you, referring to himself in third person. <sighs> okay. It's another way of, like, he could just have said, my name's Chang, I'm going to help you. But nope. This is how this guy writes. So, uh, you know, if it's in the script, it's in, it's the, movie. in the movie. So, uh, it, it clunks a lot. It does. Cheng Li fills out the forms, goes into, and the, the doc goes into surgery. He's, he's in the ambulance. And then the jizz snake that, um, was there with the doc crawls into an ambulance driver's, um, sleeve and then hides there for later. And that ambulance driver is a Mr. Eric Roberts. Oh, while we're on the political, by the way, yep. I don't know if you caught this, but as they're on the way to the hospital and he's getting Chang Lee to fill out, Eric Roberts is getting Chang Lee to fill out the forms, he says to him, is this guy rich? Because where he's going, it's going to be really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> is this a discussion people really have after gunshot wounds? In America, probably. This guy better be rich because I mean, he's I'm, riddled. I'm pretty sure that they have a thing in America that if you are literally on death's door and nobody knows who you are, they don't just leave you there to bleed out. Mm. They fix you, then bankrupt you afterwards. I think that was the comment he was making. Where it's, it was um, There's on the nose and there's brick to the face, and that was a brick to the face comment. Yeah, That's a, a fist bit. made of ham right there. Mm. Uh, just to underline, we're definitely in America. Medical treatment will be ridiculously pricey. Also, can I just say, it's like, first time watching this film, it's like, yeah, he's Eric Roberts. I love Eric Roberts. 
Oh, Eric, why were you in this film? Why? He, why? he might not you're... have been the right person for it. But, I mean, we did need an American, didn't we? An American yeah. who is, in, is TV movie capable. It's quite a lot of Americans. It didn't have to be that one. Also, TV wasn't as good in 1996 as it is now. Mm. Certainly not in the drama. True. Um, anyway, so uh, we then cut to Dr. Grace Holloway, a beautiful surgeon who is currently at the opera, and she gets beeped and called away. Um, but then it turns out that the doctor has two hearts and he freaks out on the table and he's freaking, he's like, oh my God. All right, the, the, the short explanation is because the doctor, if you didn't know, has yeah. an uh, anatomy that has two hearts. Yeah. So she's thinking she's dealing with a human. Gets a, Well, they think she's got lost because uh, they're using a cardiac probe, which she then accidentally lodges in his one of his hearts, killing him. Ew. Of course, yeah. He doesn't so, die by the bullets. He's killed by the doctor. The doctor is killed by another doctor. So she jabs that probe right into his second heart, thinking she's trying to listen to his first and only one. Yeah, she gets lost. I think the, the terminology, the, she seems to think she's lost because she, she thinks she's one place, but obviously the camera's showing something else because yeah. he had two hearts. Gotcha. At the moment. Okay. So um, then Grace goes and looks at these x-rays and goes, oh my God, two hearts? And then she lets Chang know that his unknown companion is dead. And it's, Chang's quite sweet because he's... Um, He's, he's basically taken responsibility for the guy who got shot because of him, which shows that he's... I mean, he's he's helper material, isn't he? I think that's what they're meant to make you think, that he will be the guy that goes along and helps. Yeah. But this is, like, this whole sequence where he's on the operating table, It it's just, again, exposition opportunities, left, right and centre. Hmm. You've got this... Several unlikely scenarios going on here first off if there are any medical professionals who can tell me that that this is not the case then please correct me but i feel like if you're the only cardiologist and you're on call you wouldn't go to the opera (laughs) you would you would be somewhere that you can get to the hospital quickly and easily without having to change your shoes i've got to have a life and if i've got the kind of earnings a, a surgeon has then I'm going to need to spend that on high culture. Yeah, apparently so, but not on the nights when you're on call. Um, but anyway, so there was that. And then this having a visit from the financiers of the hospital. Again, this is another opportunity to say, see, we're definitely in America. We have to have people bringing money to make this hospital work. But they're coming round to look at things. Topical for this at like year. 11 o'clock at night. Really? Would you bring your money people in at that time of the evening? Really? Money's very important in America, Sharon. Well, yeah, but it's, you know, well, I suppose so. But They're good just, hospitals, Brent. It, <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed a little odd. And again, it was just a, seemed like an opportunity for him to explain, right, this is a cardiologist. She's looking at his heart right now. We kind of got that. You didn't need to give us all that exposition. And then they leap into this bit where everybody keeps saying the God damn date. It's New Year's Eve 1999. We get it. <laughs> By the way, did you know it was New Year's Eve in 1999? It is, apparently. And there's a clock that's so accurate it can tell the time. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed. It's an abstract concept, for God's sake. And it's just, just because it's midnight... In Toronto, sorry, San Francisco doesn't mean that it wasn't midnight six hours earlier in Australia. 
Anyway, we'll get to exactly why midnight's really important in a second, because it, it, we have to have a clock that's so, so accurate it can actually tell time. Because uh, as the Doctor lies on the, uh, the morgue slab, he regenerates from Sylvester McCoy into... What's his name? Paul McGann. Paul McGann, that's the one. I was going to say Colin Farrell. I thought you were joking then. <laughs> no, into Paul McGann. And, um, but I, I have loved Paul McGann's performances in things like With Nell and I, where he plays this nervous, uh, excitable, um, neurotic, occasionally hysterical um, man. Pretty much the same as he plays the Doctor in this, actually. Close. There's a, a couple of... He's uh, a bit more whimsical in this. Yeah, yeah. But, Not um, always to good effect, I might add. In the middle of the movie, he's quite happy. But mm. then it goes back to ne- neurotic again. Did Right. The effect on the regen sequence. It looks like Sylvester McCoy is melting. It does. And there's a couple of things that they do with the image that I swear Lyra's done with photos on my... Photo on my iPad. Like they, they do that thing where they pull everything down into one point, so he has a tiny, tiny nose, and then, and then swirl it around. So, and it's it's really difficult to tell actually what is special effect and what is just Sylvester McCoy pulling a face. Yeah, he can pull some expressive faces. He though. really can. But I mean, isn't that good? Like you don't actually know where the, where the special effects are. That's good special mm. effects. Yeah. Except for it, the whole sequence is a bit pants. It is a bit pants. <laughs> Relative to a bunch and of... And borrows from Highlander with the lightning. This high... You know... Mm, I was going to say it later, but I already kind of mentioned a quickening. This guy, this director, loves him some Highlander. And by extension, because Russell Mulca... Russell Mulca... Ru- Russell M. <laughs> loves Terminator 1... This movie is very kind of... There are sections which are clearly Terminator-inspired. And the Master is basically the Kurgan Terminator. The Terminator, if you will. <laughs> no, he's, he's not that good. I'd say he was Mario Van Peebles myself. But yes. Oh, no. Not, you know what? Uh, he's more kind of Michael Ironside in Highlander 2. The no, that would at least be entertaining. The bollockening. <laughs> Um, by the way, stay tuned for our Highlander shows, folks. Neil was on them. He was, it was great. They, Neil was almost on Oh, they're not out yet now. Oh, my they're God. They're not out. It's coming. Yeah. I do believe that. Didn't I refuse to be on one? <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't. And understandably so. But uh, the... Um, uh, like, but basically, because We Hate Movies put out the Highlander 2 one uh, last year, I was like, we don't need to be that close to them. You know, sometimes I like to have exact parity. Sometimes it just feels like... We're going to be riffing on the same sort of things. But, uh, yeah, it ended up different enough. And there's that bit where I talk about Christopher Lambert ejaculating at the end, uh, which is kind of worth the price of entry alone. Oh! We've gone from subtleties to a future show to blatant hit you in the face with a break. Oh. We're going to have a Highlander show. A Highlander show where, where Christopher Lambert just, just comes over and over again. <laughs> anyway, so the seventh regenerates into the eighth as Frankenstein plays. Like in the background, some some dude's watching TV and it's it's alive. 
Yes, subtlety again. Again, it's Jeez. not subtle at all. And there's this weird sort of Frankenstein metaphor about the the, the Doctor has been brought to life by science. No, that's not. That's no. a clumsy ass metaphor, and that's not the Doctor that's really. That's not what the Doctor is. No. He's not. He's not made of bits of other dead people. No, he's an he alien. He doesn't even really... The, right, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, but the regeneration process, he doesn't die and then come back to life again, does he? The regeneration no. is to prevent him from dying. Yeah, yeah. it's basically a lot of... Oh, God. I, my, the way I remember the explanation, there's a lot of energy stored in his cells mm. and the, it releases to regenerate... And it regenerates the cells, but it also obviously regenerates the, the outer... You know, the, the face mm. and... And it alters the brain, so obviously the personality changes. That's why. Basically, it was one of the greatest inventions ever in sci-fi because it was a way of changing your actors yeah. and having an explanation, keeping the same continuity the whole way through. It was a, it was a lovely idea. And uh, uh, what are we on now? Of the thirteen, he's allowed to do. Oh no 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 no! Oh we're, God! Oh no, we're reset. Can because... open worms everywhere. Uh, yes, basically, what you, okay, I'm trying to, let me remember the order now, so we go, uh, brain will Tenth. work. Capaldi's 12. Yeah. I know that. Matt's no, is 11. No, they're not. Oh. You're for, unless you're counting the War Doctor, you forgot someone. The, the War Doctor. Well, there's a War Doctor never counted until, did we resituate their numbers now? Yes. Oh, oh. God. So the 10th yeah. becomes 11th, and the 11th becomes 12th. Yes. Oh, no. Matt Smith's regeneration was meant to be the last. He was going to die until we got the series final where, let's just say through plot, he has... I, now, I'm not entirely certain whether he's been given a complete new set of regenerations, i.e. another 13, mm-hmm. or he has infinite. It's hard to say. But, yes, he basically was given the ability to continue regenerate to continue regenerate power to regenerate infinitely if they keep going with this could they conceivably go for a hundred years of doctor who because we've just got it to 50 and then 50 years and then suddenly it resets wow okay what story reasons for it all there's a very uh, i i will say i have since recently given up on doctor who i haven't watched for a while now that means also that we could live to see that Conceivably, with technology, if society doesn't crumble, if the BBC doesn't explode, <laughs> yeah, right now, that's also yeah. a big if. <laughs> and let's face it, if it doesn't get cancelled again, yeah. But I mean, if it gets cancelled, it can get brought back. Something that's like because of the internet, nothing ever goes nothing away. Nothing ever dies. <laughs> Meanwhile, now. Power oh Rangers God. is on its twenty-third season. Absolutely. But who? Right. An aside. But who are these extra doctors then? Because. Right. Um, as I understood it, the War Doctor doesn't count because it's an artificial regeneration that was provoked by the Sisters of Yeah, whatever. the Sisters, we actually watched the but Night of the Doctor where uh, Eighth Doctor like has a few minutes left and then morphs into a younger version of the War Doctor. Yes. The, basically, as much as people go, he doesn't count, he does. He regenerated. It was one of his regenerations brought to... It was, the regeneration was more... The potion basically allowed the regeneration to focus the personality. Right, okay. If that makes sense. So he yeah, was... It doesn't. <laughs> well, it does, no, it, it does to me, because the, the War Doctor is very, uh, he's very single-minded in a way that all the other Doctors have been kind of... Um, Eccentric. There's, there's been absent-minded professor elements to them because they're basically having to get their head around the entire universe on four dimensions 
like what's happening at the beginning of the universe, what's happening at the death of the universe and everything in between. The War Doctor is really, really focused on Gallifrey. So, yeah, to, to explain this briefly, the War Doctor was a, um, like, it was he was designed for a uh, 50-year anniversary special. He is a Doctor who was created to bring the war t- with the Daleks to a close in a, a single terrible act that would wipe out the Daleks, but also wipe out every man, woman, and child on Gallifrey, mm. his home planet. Yeah. That was his task, and uh, if he didn't perform it, then the Daleks would eventually wipe out everyone and everything in the universe. Yeah. But basically... If you think of it in these terms, or at least this was the way I saw it, he's he chose the name The Doctor because it epitomised how he wanted to be in the world. A Doctor is somebody who is, you know, all about do no harm and help as many people as you can. Mm. A war doctor is the one who has to say, I don't have enough morphine for everybody, you're going to have to die. Very good. Yeah, he renounces the name, the doctor. So, yes, he does count. They said, the show writer said, yes, he does count. Right, so technically then, he's ninth. Yes. Thus making Eccleston tenth, tenant eleventh. Yep. Smith, Smith 12. 12. Smith 12. Capaldi 13, which then technically should be the last one, but they've already said there will be another after Capaldi. Mm. Mm. But they also reset, so. Yeah, but yeah, you folks reset. who like Doctor Who are getting that show after all, it would appear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still. Yeah, we might get our numbers times. wrong, it, it does get confusing, but basically, Smith was meant to be the last one. Mm. The final of his, he. The, with, I don't. I can't explain it because it means doing time for backstory, which is about a half an hour explanation. Don't, he don't. is basically wobbly, timey wimey. That's all we need to know. He is granted more. He is granted the ability to regenerate again and regenerates into Peter Capaldi. All right then. Um. So uh, the 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 okay. This is actually kind of a, uh, it's relevant here. They they talk. They mention that the Eighth Doctor is half human. There is actually uh, an explanation sort of here. Um, much of the movie's plot based on the revelation that the Doctor is half-human on his mother's side. It's not much. The fact that the, he can open the Eye of Harmony because he's got human retinas. That's it. Following the movie, several Eighth Doctor adventure novels seek either to explain or elaborate on this premise, often with conflicting results. Alien bodies suggest only the Eighth Doctor is half-human and that his interest in Earth people is something to do with his with retroactive ancestry. Unnatural history in the Gallifrey Chronicle suggests that the Doctor is the child of a Victorian lady called Penelope Gate and a Time Lord called Ulysses. See, that's kind of a fun, interesting romance reason why he would be created. Well, Ulysses and, now, and Penelope. Stop yeah. saying Ulysses. I've got a stupid theme song stuck in my head. Yeah, ah. The one who was soaring through all the galaxies. <laughs> yeah. The taking of Planet Five takes a different approach. The Doctor calls, causing the Doctor to the Doctor slowly became half human through repeated regeneration in close proximity to humans. So if you keep mutating around them, you're going to become more like them, causing the Doctor to absorb away from Cap. Aspects of their DNA, especially because he was splattered with the Masters. Although the issue has yet to be explicitly revisited on screen, in Journey's End, a second version of the Doctor is created through a combination of the Doctor and his humans' companions' psychologies. Unimpressed with his half-human body, this new Doctor wonders how humans can manage with only one heart. In the 2008 Doctor Who comic book The Forgotten, the Doctor states that upon finding out that the Master has escaped from the box, he used the chameleon art to deceive the Master with the fiction of being half-human. So that's kind of a backpedalling. Mm. Mm. You know, I like the fact they just went, you know when the new series started, went, we're just not going to bother mentioning it. Yeah. Rog, sweep. 
If you require people to watch this, it's going to lessen the impact of this new series. Mm. You know? See, I, I really liked the idea that he was half human and it did kind of give a reason why he spends so much time with all of the galaxy and the universe yeah. to explore with humans at any time from beginning to end of all time that exists around earth and humans and getting really involved with their crap i like the idea that his secret origin is in the victorian era mm. that the, uh, the idea is that he's actually naturally british born that yeah. that would be um that would be a, an interesting and rem- i think if you want to explore that in the tv version that might be something you could do mm. Yeah. Better than the whole god thing, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really liked that, that, that he, you know, he is worried about humans because he is in some way related to them. And it makes him helping humans make a bit more sense as well, because otherwise he kind of becomes this god creature that just turns up on the planet hmm. to sort all of He never shit turns out. up to help the Sontarans. They're always there trying to invade. Yeah. Anyway, 23... 23- Somewhere there's a, a Time Lord that's half Dalek that's... Messing about with that side, too. Anyway. Well, <laughs> quick side note, then, for There is a regeneration where he becomes the bad guy. Oh. That's never been touched on the beginning, but yes. What was that one? Oh, that was back in the old series. There was one of the Doctor's incarnations. I don't know if he went insane or he basically became evil. Uh-huh. I was can't... he... Don't you see? He's possessed by evil, not good! I think you could just roll it all the, all the crap he's seen, all the crap he's gone through. You just probably snapped one day. Mm, went, you know what? The master sense. probably had it right. That's what infinite life or near infinite life will give to you. Mm. Anyway, 23 minutes in and one third of the running time wasted. And who is the hero of this goddamn story? That's not a statement. That's a question. It's not... The Doctor. He spent most of it asleep dead. He's barely said anything. It's not Chang. He's also barely said a word either. And we really only just met Grace. That's one third gone. And there is no protagonist. Structure 101. There's a villain either. No, well, no. uh, Yeah, because at this point, the Master hasn't really showed up. They wasted one third of this doing not much of anything. Like, here, like, you start with a John Doe being brought in to the hospital, and it's like, oh, this is a J.J. Abrams film, I'm already thinking like, a John Doe gets brought into the hospital, we've got to do this, who is this person? See, who is this person? And I've got to operate him, and i wait a second, this man has two hearts, boom, and then it's the Doctor Who titles it. I just did it way better than you in like six seconds. That's not me going, oh, I'm so great. That's just like, structurally speaking, you make Grace the protagonist and basically like she witnesses the Doctor like regenerating and coming around. And it's like from her perspective the whole time. Um, And then basically like, it's like, do you want to come with the Doctor on his adventures? That's your pilot right there. You know, if you're going to introduce him to newcomers, that's how you do it. You have your Harry Potter character who needs the important stuff explained to her. You know, that's pretty much what they did with Rose, really. Mm, yeah. You may not like her, Neil, but it was a, it was a good way of basically selling us and the Doctor and, like, she was following the mystery trail of who he was. That's another good way of doing it. Mm. But the cumulative effect of having a companion that's with the Doctor long term is that once they've had everything explained to them, then they can actually start getting involved with stuff. Mm. Clara. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, um, the Doc wanders around with his ass out in a thunderstorm. Because <laughs> the thunder's still going on, the quickening. Oh, there's all kinds of quickenings going on out there. And uh, he screams at the sky while the master dribbles, because the... <laughs> this jizz snake, like, turns up... Like, uh, this, this, like uh, Eric Roberts is sleeping. It's about to get much worse. And the jizz snake goes... <laughs> Next, it like it crawls out of his sleeve, and then in the dark, it jumps into his mouth and like sucks itself inside him. It's gross, but like I mean, that's pretty cool body horror, you know, right there. You know what yeah. that is? That's um, oh, Nathan Fillion movie, comedy horror. Oh, uh, Slither. Slither, yes. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, uh, James Gunn directed that, but he of Guardians of the Galaxy. Speaking of two other films I'd rather have been watching. Yeah. Um, it's also not a million miles from Fallen with Denzel Washington. The idea of Ooh, this yes. uh, this terrible evil force passing from person to person and inhabiting them, using them like a meat puppet. Um, so anyway, the, the Doc's wandering around in his arse in a thunderstorm. And um, the master sort of stands up and just dribbles with cat eyes. And it's like, all right, have you got it together yet? Just tell us when you have, Master. We'll we'll leave you for a bit. Clean yourself up. I must know. I must stand naked in front of this window with my butt out, looking cool. I am the Master. See me flash. <laughs> where, where are you going, Master? No, I'm just going for one of those pointless butt in the moonlight strolls. Nice. Emilio Estevez's butt. It's a classic. Um, so anyway, it cuts to the Golden Gate Bridge the next morning, and it's playing this kind of... Uh, you know what? I was thinking lifetime movie music, but it actually sounds not a million miles away from the opening music for The Room. <laughs> that diddle diddle doom doom do kind of like piano stuff. It's a little bit jaunty, but it's it's way too delicate for what's actually going on and it's not beautiful either so it's like well, this is just busy work music so the doc sick of us wandering around with his ass out breaks into a locker and since it was already explained earlier a guy says what are you coming to the fancy dress party dressed as and another guy who's not the same body shape at all of paul mcgann says i'm coming as wild bill hickok now i don't know if have you ever rented a costume neil no, I haven't. Uh, right, I'll tell you right now. They're not clothes. They're not like no. leather coats and like proper jeans that are made to fit you and it's like good cosplay. shirts. It's like the, the costumes that you rent. And he may have been like a super enthusiast of Wild Bill Hickok and actually gone out and got stuff that fits him exactly in his proper clothes. In which case, why does it fit Paul McGann? But like he'd basically be wearing those like elasticated waistband velour Austin Powers trousers. He also finds a Nixon mask. I mean, like, was this guy in two minds about it? He was like... That Nixon mask comes back and all. It does. It's like, do I go as Nixon or do I go as Wild Bill Hickok? And I I suspect maybe two guys were sharing the locker. Maybe. So, um, anyway, the master does cat eyes. You know what? Nixon's there because, hey, America! Yeah, just to remind us. Um, I suppose you go from one villain uh, to uh, the other villain, the master, doing his cat eyes. And then he kills the host's wife. The wife comes in and goes, hey, how's it going, honey? And she hugs him from behind and he goes, you can call me master. And she's like, okay, master. And then he turns around and snaps her goddamn neck. Yep. And it's like, whoa. 
That's <laughs> too extreme for this film so far. And that's also- extreme for the master as well. Usually, he doesn't. He's usually been portrayed. He changes later on, but he's usually portrayed or. She's usually portrayed as someone who doesn't like to get her hands dirty. Yeah, wouldn't it be better if he just went, go fix me some food to eat? And then as she left, just slap her on the arse to show he has become the master of this household. Just killing her is just horrible. It's even more horrible. he's our villain. He's our villain, Alex. How else are the audience going to know that we should hate our villain? I'll tell you right now. When Ha, I'm Candy, comes in, the Kurgan goes, (laughs) of course you are. And didn't kill her because Candy then said that she he was kind of freaky. That you know you don't have to kill someone. It actually makes you more powerful if you don't kill someone. But the worst part of this is that that was Eric Roberts' actual wife, Eliza Roberts. Imagine having that conversation with her, uh, honey. Uh, I need to kill my wife in this show. We can't hire anyone at short notice, and also someone needs to basically hug me from behind and see my butt. So. <laughs> It better be you. (laughs) So it better be you. And so she's like, how are you going to kill me? I snap your neck. Okay. We're going to talk about this later. (laughs) Just. You know what? If someone said, do you know a woman who you could kill? I would say, you know what? I don't. That's your job. You're the casting director. Oh, there is no casting director? Well, there's no edit. So why would there be a casting director? Nice. High five. (laughs) (laughs) meet my hand in the air anyway so grace's boss turns up to say what is this grace you're looking at this guy with two hearts this is just this is a pipe dream it's crazy i'm gonna burn these x-rays right okay this it's a medical marvel is ridiculous he's basically implying right we had this guy turn up he's a john doe he's not been formally identified if we burn his Mm x-rays nobody will ever know he was here because he's gone missing as well mysteriously gone right by the end of the next 10 minutes no less than four people refer to the fact that he was in the hospital What's this man's next job to go round offing witnesses? Oh, that guy who turned up in the hospital President yesterday? of the United States? Fake news. You got there just before we all <laughs> done. I mean, even the woman at the reception desk says, not only does she know he came in, she knows the body disappeared. Yep. You're um, not covering this one up, mate. And when Bo- Grace's boss burns the x-rays, she screams at him. She's like, are you out of your fucking mind? Well, not quite that, but, you know, she screams at him and she's super intense. I think, like, the, the director figured if everyone's always super intense all the time... It's gonna look, not going to look so conspicuous when Paul McGann does it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it'll be more exciting, but yeah, probably. <laughs> like, you know, we, we've tried to get Paul McGann to just dial it back a little bit, but he won't. So we'll get everyone else to scream at the same time, literally, and uh, maybe people won't notice. But you have no recollection of family. No. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. I remember, I'm, I... I... I'm with my father. We're lying back in the grass. It's a warm Gallifreyan night. Gallifreyan? Gallifrey! Yes, this must be where I live. Now, where is that? I've never heard of it. What do you remember? A meteor storm. The, the, the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant, yellow. Yes! What? These shoes! They fit perfectly. Yes. 
So, um, do you know what though? I didn't just to go back a bit. I didn't like the fact that the morgue attendant fainted. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to be a morgue attendant, you kind of have to be made of sterner Stern stuff. Than you're going to have gallows humour. You're going to be like Linda Fiorentino in Men in Black. Yeah, and it's entirely possible that every now and again they're going to bring somebody down who's not properly dead, yeah. and they're going to get up. It happened statistically. It happened in medieval times. It'll happen now. Well, it happened in medieval times because he didn't have machines hooked up with you to go. No, he's definitely dead. Yeah. But yeah, so I know a few people that um, well don't work in morgues, but do deal in that particular area, shall we say? Mm-hmm. It takes a lot to phase them. Yeah, because I mean, dead lot. people all the time. They're not going to go. Oh, a dead person just got up. But I mean, like basically seeing a fat guy faint is hilarious. Apparently, question mark. Yeah, there's a lot of writing. Sh- you know, really bad writing shortcuts in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so uh, the doctor then turns up in Grace's car and he screams at her. And then he pulls a thing out of his heart and goes, This thing in my heart! Ah! And she screams at him and it's just super intense. And at this point, I'm like, 33 minutes in, no protagonist yet. But it might be Grace at this stage. <laughs> no protagonist, but lots of exposition. Seriously, there, there is so much. I have two hearts. I have 13 lives. We must explain who the Doctor is and why he's here and how he got here. Otherwise, people will be confused. Do, do you know they what didn't explain the... the history of Gallifrey. They had time. They did. <laughs> <laughs> if they'd cut out some of the other exposition, they might have had time. Yeah, but maybe a car chase or it, two. One of the best things about the series for me is the fact that stuff just happens. Mm. You keep up. Yeah. Or you don't. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. Part of its charm. Or run for your life. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's. Yeah, that was uh, Eccleston. Nice to meet you, Ross Tyler. Uh, but uh, the. Like, it, it, it being a pilot, you do have to explain a certain amount. But the fact that it's attached to stuff that you're like, could we just get on with this, please? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, that like you spent so much of the film so far not explaining things that now we're in Act Two and you're explaining this. This stuff should have been explained bef- like before Act One was even really underway. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of screaming. The Master turns up, literally impersonating the Terminator. <laughs> he's in. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's in a long leather coat or long pleather coat. And uh, just be grateful he doesn't go. I'll be back. He pulls off his fingernail, and she doesn't freak out. Even when he flicks it at her, and he demands to. I need to know the location of the doctor and the Asian child. Well, you're in a hospital in San Francisco. It could take a while to narrow those two down. And she knows this ambulance driver. She's like, "Oh, you nut!" And uh, like, she's having none of it. And all he had to do was just act like a person. You know, the the master surely has been around people, but he's still got the cat in him. He keeps here's doing the thriller cat eyes. Here's the problem. Since about this TV movie, they've never done the Nat Master right. It actually gets worse in New Who, in my opinion, where they just say, oh, yeah, he's just nuts, and then proceed to really make the character kind of crap. Well, Were we did not- see the one with John Sim and mm. uh, Jarek Jacobi as well. Um, <laughs> so when was the master good? Or, or when was the master good at being bad? Uh, you're talking previous, you know, old Who, and there's a lot of good actors there that just just played the the British villain stereotype. You know, the Master would be very at home on the Death Star, walking oh, around in charge of things. There's your Charles dance, by the way. The Master ran it in. He doesn't even look that dissimilar to the guy who played the Master in the, the for the Seventh Doctor. Cat eyes. 
I mean, like, like that's the thing with the master. You only really have to have him in for a, a, like a one or two episodes, like because he's the like the the series finale. Like you you can't have him as a constant recurring character, and he can regenerate as someone else later. So like, yeah, Charles Dance done. You're welcome, BBC. No, no, no. I will admit, even though they're continuing that she, he, he, she's still slightly crazy. Michelle Gomez is actually quite fun as the master mistress. Oh, really? Oh, I haven't actually seen Selena Gomez's master. Still doing the whole master's nuts and insane, which I don't like. I like him more as the he. He always was meant to be, or was portrayed as the more scheming, plan manipulative villain. Not you know, not so. No, well, again, look at the evil. the um, external manifestation of his name. If the Doctor chose to be called the Doctor, I assume the Master chose to be called the Master. And if you opt to call yourself the Master, that tells you quite a lot about the personality. Yeah. So, anyway, the Doc chases after Grace, persisting in telling her stuff. And there's some nicely lit trees in the park that he can uh, talk to her around. And then he, like, kisses her? Oh, my God, and Paul McGann can't kiss. Oh, really? it's so awful. Oh, yeah? It's so awful. Was it like two sea lions fighting over a grape? No, not even... (laughs) Right. Okay, I get that obviously screen kissing is kind of not proper kissing. I get that. But basically he just kind of purses his lips so tight that nothing's getting in there and kind of pushes his mouth against hers in a manner that So he kisses like a kid in first school? Basically, yes. It's like somebody who's been told, go kiss your grandma and really doesn't want to. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Grace, but I mean, this lady is really quite attractive. She's, yeah. I mean, she's a bit heavily made up for my tastes, but. <laughs> okay. Um, so the doctor kisses her and she goes, oh, do that again. Because obviously, you know, she, the whole, within the she, central she gets conceit off on of the whole it. grandma kiss thing. <laughs> <laughs> You see, I, I thought you weren't meant to go around kissing women just randomly like that. No, you in a lot of trouble. No. no, but she likes it, apparently. Ugh. So anyone who tells you they don't is lying. Anyway. So, there is no reason for these two to be attracted to each other. None. So None no. whatsoever. Chang finds the, uh, the key to the TARDIS, goes back to the TARDIS, goes inside, finds the master, and the master, like, grabs him and, like, Puts evil in him. That's really the only way I can say it. Like mind enslaves him. him. Yeah, mind, mind controls him. There you go. The master is actually famous for doing that. That actually is one of his things. There you go. Well, that, yeah. So he basically occupies Chang, and then now Chang is his lackey. And then they open up and study the new doc. So that way, the um, the the master knows the doc when he sees him next, and the doc won't know the master. Um, and then they go something, something, something. The Eye of Harmony, and like they—they they really don't do a fantastic job of establishing what the hell the Eye of Harmony is here. And then they spend forty minutes explaining it throughout the rest of the film. I think at one point, doesn't Grace refers to it as the Eye of Destruction or something? And the Doctor corrects her and goes, "No, no, no, it's, it's Harmony." Those two things are not connected. Why would she think destruction? I mean, you could have a philosophical debate and basically say, "Well, once everything's been destroyed, you have harmony." Do you want to know what the Eye of Harmony actually is? What is it? It's an exploding star in the act of becoming a black hole. Oh, okay. okay. So that's why so the Earth becomes all wibbly. The, yeah, it basically it's explained in... I've actually got up here, so I'm not that good. Uh, but it's in Journey of the Sense to the, the TARDIS. You, you literally see the Eye of Harmony again. It's very, very different. Very, very different. But it is literally a... A sun that's literally becoming a black hole. Right. right. So is that is that linked to how the TARDIS works? Does it power it? Yes, that's how it gets the power. Right. 
Right. Um, then the Doctor explains, or well, Shout explains, at Grace, at a thousand miles an hour, something about the end of the world, and she, being a human being, goes, I'm out of here, and runs away. And then the Doctor chases her, because you would, and then she locks herself in her house to try and get away from him, and he forces entry. And he says, I'm going to prove to you that the Eye of Harmony is open. And then he walks through the window, which has become somehow liquidious. That doesn't prove that the Eye of Harmony is open. It proves that he can walk through windows. It's not a one-to-one thing. No. He says, well, this is because the Earth is becoming all wibbly or discombobulating. He doesn't even say it with the kind of the throwaway... Like, David Tennant would say that. He yeah. would say, well, yeah, it's become a bit all but wibbly, really. Here's, here's the other thing. If Grace was a physicist, she might understand that. She's not. She's a cardiologist. But also, intruder form for a lot of weak-ass Doctor Who big world events... Like this, like he can walk through a window. It turns out to be crab people. It's no, <laughs> that is that is the other thing that happens with Doctor <laughs> Who. Far too many crab people. Um, and there was one point we were watching the macra turned up in the one with the the like um, traffic jam. I want to say yeah, like, yeah, a gi- bunch of giant crabs. And I was like, right, giant crab people did it. And then there's another one where um, they want to know who the hell this monster is. And I said, if this monster turns out to be some kind of crab, we're going to stop watching Doctor Who. And it turned out to be an alien woman who was some kind of crab. And I went, I think that's the one with, um, uh, who's the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen guy? Mark Gatiss turned up in that one. So you Doctor Who fans will remember that one with a giant enemy crab. Uh, just too many crabs, guys. Too many. Just I think there was a third instance of crabs in that season, and just and then you get starfish people later. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, um, I take issue with this walking through the window. By the way, yeah, because right, the whole thing about the glass becoming liquidious that I can kind of go with because glass is liquid. That's it's really it's a very stiff liquid. But also, it's if you liquid. walked through it, wouldn't it be you'd be covered in this glass jizz? Well, it it depends how it it stay it would stay liquid. You would assume if it had if it had melted somewhat, it would just but turn into a pool walking, of like you would break its um like breaking the surface tension of a bubble. Absolutely, it would just walking poof. through it. It would pull it apart and cause it all to fall out of the frame. It wouldn't just like merge around him and then reform like some kind of giant soap. This bubble. is us applying physics to wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Well, indeed. But um, like basically, that, what he's claiming to her doesn't like really prove much of anything but like i said the the major problem seems to be that the world is going wibbly and no one else notices mm. like this is around about the time the millennium bug suddenly became an issue. Like, 96, 97 was when people started worrying about it. You could oh, bet God. your ass that if windows started becoming, you know, walk-throughable, they'd start blaming the millennium bug. Yeah. They'd go, it's the microchips in the windows. Clearly. But That's just, why I concreted over my windows. People are noticing something. God if you remember, they, they see, like, the, the comments on the news about the stuff that's happening, because this is where he gets that... that Great line that's the wrong way round. I love humans always seeing patterns in things that aren't there. And I was like, no, 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 that's us about face. The things are there. What they're seeing is patterns that aren't really there. Yeah. Also, what humans tend to do is ignore patterns, ignore bar charts, ignore statistics and go, well, no, we this is all like, just fake no, no, statistics. We, we don't like facts, but we do like patterns. That's why you have to put foxes' heads on sticks right. to get people to pay attention to what is in effect statistics. 
Gotcha. Evil in our relationship remains a paradox. If you plot number of animals abused against what makes people cruel versus intelligence of either party, the pattern is so unreadable you might as well draw in a chain of fox heads on sticks. And if you do that, an interesting thing happens. The word cruel starts flashing. Okay. So anyway, um, uh, the uh, they go back to the most atomic, accurate atomic clock in the world, and we must go straight there, and suddenly that becomes the MacGuffin. They've got to get to the clock. Why again, Neil? I have not a smegging clue. You've seen this before, <laughs> though, right? I you have s- seen this several times. There is not a good reason given why they have to go to the clock. All that that clock will tell them is when exactly the world's going to implode on itself. To the second. And surely just a watch will be accurate enough. I kind of think it's so you can have a scene where we show that the Doctor can see the future of individual human beings. Jelly Baby. Jelly Baby. Is that a thing he has any other time? What, Jelly Babies? No, the seeing the future of other human beings. He tends to know the future of some. It, it, I, it, it is used, but... It's an on pre- and off power, but could, like, break the storylines it, like of many episodes. Yeah? Oh, it's, okay. it's not like a power. It's more of a, oh, I done my you know he's done his research he's been around a bit he's just looking up and he knows oh this is such and such and they'll go on to do such and such i thought i might meet them so i know this kind of thing yeah this that was how it struck me was that basically this is somebody he's met in the future at some point and knows something about them it's not so much that he's seeing into their future he's been there so he tells him answer the second question on your essay or the third question no 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 yeah answer the second question not the third the third looks easy but you'll make a mess of it right so you know, it's, it's a tribute to the talent of David Tennant because in my head the person delivering these lines is David Tennant my de facto doctor in the same way that McCoy is your doctor and Sharon your doctor is uh, mine's kind of Tennant but also Peter Davidson we'll say Davidson for the uh, sake of argument because you can't have Tennant it's mine <laughs> <laughs> See, no one finds over Sylvester McCoy. I'm fine. So anyway, the, they go to the front door and oh, the Terminator is at the front door. And uh, the doctor goes, okay, you're going to give us a lift to the uh, best clock in the world. Okay. And then they get in like, and he doesn't recognise that it's the master. Which, to me, doesn't that diminish how incredibly charismatic and powerful the master is? Like, surely, like, if the doctor clapped eyes on him and should really know... I can see through you. I can see that you're the master. That then speaks of a much greater power that we aren't seeing, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, he finds out that he's the master in a minute and a half anyway, so what the flip is the point? Oh, from the story point of view, yes, but it does come back later that there's a couple of times where we run into the master and he doesn't know it's the master. Okay. So. Well, yeah, if it's done in, in, in a way that actually creates a really excellent tension whereby you know it's the master and the doctor doesn't, that would be great. But in this... It's that premise, and it is not well executed because they're in the um, the <laughs> they're in the ambulance. They go over a speed bump. His uh, his glasses come off, and he's got cat eyes. And the and the doctor goes, "I know you, cat eyes." And the, uh, he goes, "No, no, no, I'm Eric Roberts uh, from Best of the Best, <laughs> from Best of the Best." Which, by the way, Best of the Best two, way better film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, he's, he goes, "Cat eyes, you're the master," and uh, then. Uh, uh, the master responds by jizzing out of his mouth all over Grace. Just pukes jizz all over her. And so she sprays him in the face with a fire extinguisher and he screams in a quite unbecoming way. Just, 
like that. And, and that's... What was in that fire extinguisher? CO2. And that's... No, it was liquid. Liquid nitrogen. Why would you put that on a fire? I tell you right now, this guy loves him some Terminator 2 because they immediately get out and they go, that's a nice bike to a, uh, oh. a traffic police guy with, like, with a gun. Like, the doctor steals his gun, holds it to his own heart and goes, I'm going to shoot myself in one of my hearts. And then the, the, the cop immediately goes, whoa, 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 buddy. And no other cops around them just shoot the doctor in his back. And then Grace takes the gun and shoots the police bike's radio, and no one reacts to the gunshot. It's Toronto. It's Toronto. <laughs> oh, you're firing off guns there. Make sure you got a permit, eh? That's Narrative convenience is a wonderful thing. Yeah, mm. but I mean, if this was the real San Francisco, even though that's not partic- like it's not as savage as LA, they'd have been shot. That like yes. police have backup. That's a big pileup, isn't it? Meant to be, so. yeah. Or, or like, if nothing else, the 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 cop would have been a lot more angry at them. But um, yeah. Anyway, they get on the bike, and then uh, the master chases them in an ambulance. And it is it's just a can we have a Terminator chase? And I appreciate that because you know this is one of the most exciting things in the whole thing. But it's, it's the only exciting thing in the whole thing. It's so lame. <laughs> Ultimately, like you know, if you're gonna in for a penny, in for a pound, like um. The uh, the master should have got into another truck and like driven like like pushed the woman who was in the uh, seat out of the way and gone mom and then just barreled down the motorway towards uh, uh, the doctor. But again, like it's like you so rarely see the ambulance gaining on the bike. They shoot them separately so often that you never really feel like it's bearing down on them. And there's obviously it's it's not directed like in one iota the level of craftsmanship that James Cameron is capable of. So it's it's really kind of... It's like a child aping uh, its daddy. Inspector Morse has had more thrilling car chases than <laughs> this. <laughs> but, but I think they were doing the Terminator thing to make it, like, sexy uh, and, and for it to appeal to people in the USA, and I understand that. But um, then, a, like, the, the Doctor gave that traffic cop a jelly baby out of his hand. No, no, it was out of a bag. Oh, it was out of a bag. bag. Okay. Mm. But then he holds out his hand to this kid and, and says, you know, answer the second question, not the third. This, this security guard kid guy. And then the guy takes the jelly baby and eats it. Like, I th- I th- like nine people out of ten would just go, ah, cheers. Like, you don't hand people a jelly baby. You could just go... There's one jelly baby left, and it's yours. That's just a, that's a nice little quirky bit of thing. Giving it to you out of your open hand is like, eat this jelly baby, eat it. It's, it's not poisoned, I promise. It's too creepy. It's just a running thing that came from. I want to say Tom Baker. Yeah, was- Tom Baker had the uh, jelly babies. He had the, that and the scarf. I think wasn't the scarf? Didn't that feature in the? Um- when he was choosing his outfit at the earlier? Uh, I think there's lots of nods. That scarf crops up quite often, yeah. strangely enough. Okay. Well, yeah. Strangely enough, it is iconic. They're, yeah, totally is. Then they come across four Secret Service agents that the Master has already come across. Literally, they are covered in jizz again. And they're just sort of standing there, and one of them falls over backwards. And it's like, okay, that's Company! gross. That's gross. Was he here before them or something then? Because he was there in the ambulance? Then... Like, something happens, did they get to the clock? Because then they get back to the TARDIS. Right, the clock was not required at all. 
We they take need to get out of it. Do they? Uh, yeah, I'm sure that he opens up and takes something out of it, but you never. Blah blah blah. Techno bubble. Right. Carry. If if that is true, and they have to get to the clock to retrieve something from the clock, and they do retrieve something from the clock, that was ne- like we've seen it twice, and once with the commentaries. Like we sort of switch between the two because the director is so boring. My God, is he boring? Just me, 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 It's always best. The commentaries are always better when it's the cast, not yeah. the crew. It was it was McGann and and somebody else. Yeah, either way, the, the commentary with McGann's way better. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the, apparently they did get something from the clock, but they did not make that clear at any of the times we saw that. And then they get to the TARDIS. Why isn't the TARDIS parked at the clock? You know? That, and we've got to get to the TARDIS. Because they can't get into it to move it. Or maybe we've got to get the key to the TARDIS. That's the MacGuffin. You know? Like, um, him, we saw the master he... on TV and he's wearing the key around his neck. We've got to get it off him. I mean, that's just, you know. I guess even better when I tell you that, you know, the TARDIS is technically sentient, right? Yeah. So they could have just called it. I don't think it quite works that way, but maybe. <laughs> anyway, so they get in, like, the eye we've now established is a collapsing star. And uh, Grace... Uh, they're just about to fix it, and then Grace cracks the dock over the head as he's just about to save the day because the master got to her and she's now... Possessed uh, by evil, not goodness. That's... Ugh. She has black eyes! She has evil. black eyes. Um, Utter, redundant line. Goodness doesn't possess things. This is coming up in a bit, but I've already mentioned it once. It, the Doctor, like it's Paul McGann, is one of his most shouty lines, and most of his lines are shouty. But he's like he's shaking Chang and going, "Can't you see? She's possessed by evil, not good." Which, that's up there with "You can't be my father. You represent everything I hate." For just like clunkers of lines. Anyway, so the Master finally makes his entrance. And it's in this crazy red and black oriental robe get-up. Like, looking like the Mandarin. And he's got this enormous collar. And he goes, Neil? I always dress for the occasion. Right, always dress for the occasion. If the occasion is a Ming the Merciless contest. I mean, these are Galifrian robes, right? He, he's yes, they the are. Because <laughs> Bond wears them many, many years later. Uh, is that... Uh, uh, oh, Bond. You mean literally Bond as in um, uh, Timothy Dalton as... Yes. Uh, the, uh, the one as Rassilon. Rassilon, one of the last Galifrians. Um, he was awesome. So, uh, like, see, so he turns up... Look, I mean, it's... A lot of the TARDIS, when it's set up here, it's, it's sort of like, it looks like an, uh, a sort of like what the BBC could throw together to look like an Asian temple. It looks like Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. You didn't it's got a bit, did it, you it, see it, Neil? I haven't seen Doctor Strange yet, so I, I can't. But you I was trust it's got me this, on this. It, it's got some weird gothic architecture going off as well with yeah. the, the stairs and what? It's a it weird mishmash, but at the same time, sure, it's, sure. it's striking. Mm. And they could have like done quite a lot with this. Yeah. Um, but the fact that the master now looks like strange, or at the very least, the Mandarin, that he is celebrating the fact that he's going to open up this eye and what destroy the Earth. No, he wants to basically. His big scheme is he's going to capture the Doctor and steal his lives. Okay. And I can't remember if the Eye of Harmony is involved in that or not. I was watching, but I kind of think by this point I'm 
I'm watching, but the lights are on and not many people are home. Well, they spend so much time explaining. They never cut to the chase of the like the three or four basic movements of this film. Mm. What do you people want? You know? I, mm. I think it's something like he's got to open the eye because he needs the power contained within the TARDIS to push the Doctor's lives into his body. Or No, 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 no. He wants to... Um, enter the Doctor's body because he says that the Eric Roberts' body isn't going to last very long. It's falling apart. Gotcha. Well, uh, under those circumstances, I would actually make it like a very much a face-off type thing, but at the same time, the Master is kind of obsessed with the Doctor and it's like, you know, I'm going to take your body. Mm. Um, But there's an odd kind of grudging respect between the two of them. That head thing that he puts on him that keeps his eyes open, which I assume is to facilitate to him clockwork orange him to the, yeah. the Doctor's body. Is that right? Question. So he'll is be possessed by evil and not goodness. That was in the TARDIS. <laughs> so or did the, the Master the, have the it? The Doctor carries around with him just in case someone wants to possess his body. Did the Master go to a mall and buy it? Did the bring it with him? Which seems unlikely given that he was basically a smoothie at the beginning of this movie in a box. Well, he was more of a smoothie. How do you drink a mood? Like a smoothie. <laughs> um, but it's like, like is, are they, is this like the Time Lord equivalent of jump leads? Does everybody just have a set with them all the time, just in case? That it was never explained and maybe didn't need to be explained because you didn't need it in the first place. Oh, it just I, complicates I have things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the, the inner dimensions of the TARDIS are infinite, and it has an infinite number of rooms. Therefore, oh, right. the, it's an infinite number of possibilities that it could be a... So it's a room of requirements? I was just about to say, so it's a room of requirement with an undetectable extension charm on it. Nice. <laughs> I liked, I'd like to think the room of requirement can technically go on forever if you require it to. Yeah. Anyway, so there's more cat eyes. Ooh. Could you put the TARDIS in the room of requirement? Could you put the room of requirement in, in the, the TARDIS? TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the master opens the altar after breaking Chang's neck. Like, he says, Chang, open the altar. And Chang goes, I don't know. She seems like she's possessed by evil and not good. And then he goes, oh, oh, crack. And then just breaks his Just, he's snapping necks. And then there's a lightning... St- there's all kinds of quickening again as the, tar- the eye opens. Then Grace jumps in and rewires the TARDIS? She's Apparently. now an engineering specialist? She's a heart surgeon! She hotwires this thing. Even the doctor can't do that. Is that. I mean, there's also a little sign on the console which says the Humanian era. I miss that. That deserves some explanation. I, I'm assuming that basically what that means is you are in the period of Earth when humans, when humans were the charge. dominant life form before they yeah. wiped themselves out. Yeah. Or conquered space. Or conquered space. Or the, or the reptiles that live in the Earth's core wake up and start a war with us. <laughs> or the ice warriors from Mars invade us. Oh, the crap people. Oh, we can but hope. Bring on the ice warriors from Mars. Please. Are they riding on the spiders from Mars? <laughs> okay. Oh, and they oh, shall be led by David Bowie. Oh, no, I was going to go with, and they will be riding motorbikes. Biker mice from Mars. Oh, uh, God. Very good. Spider mice from Mars. No, it's not. That's now the scariest thing. Okay, so the master goes all Kurgan again, and then he goes all assisted living Dracula and does these weak little jumps. (laughs) Uh, 
and then <laughs> it does and like like the camera shots it does this weird sort of blurry thing to make him seem more active but really it's just it's just eric roberts jumping on the spot <laughs> i just have visions of the director going so eric um how high can you jump so eric gives him his best effort <laughs> Uh, I'll have to do. <laughs> the lunar jump is virtually incalculable. Bang. <laughs> what is Eric freaking Roberts? He's kind of a physical actor. He totally <laughs> is. He kicked the living crap out of dudes in Best of the Best 1 and 2. And the away. <laughs> totally. Anyway, so um, the master ends up jumping all the way into the eye, gets sucked inside and goes, No! And then the then like he's he's gone. And Grace asks, "Where's the master?" And the doctor says, "Indigestion." He doesn't care. Like, is the master Galifrian? Yes. yes. Okay. Like, is the master technically the only remaining Galifrian as far as the Eighth Doctor knows at this point? At this, no, no, no. The the Galifrians hadn't been wiped out at this point. Oh right. Okay. So I was the time say, war hadn't started. Oh had. right. So when was the time war? Because I thought it was way ages ago. Uh, it's a, it's literally a time war, which means it's a war throughout different eras of time. So it both was and wasn't happening. It's Schrodinger's war. Oh my brain! Yes, this is you getting your own back for Back to the Future, isn't it? <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so technically oh, speaking, yes. it has simultaneously started, progressed, and finished, but the Doctor doesn't know about it yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so I was going to say, basically, if, if the Master was the last remaining Galafrian, you could forgive the Doctor for doing a bit of a Kal-El, no! after wiping him out. But he doesn't seem to care at all. It doesn't bother him that he just killed a man. You know um, when he decides that he needs a human retina to open the Eye of Harmony? Uh-huh. And so he has to clear Grace's eyes oh, so that yeah. he can use her face. So he sucks the key. evil out of her. So he sucks the evil out of her. Right. Key face. The, as the eye starts to... Well, not the eye, but like the key portal for the eye that she has to look into. Why would you break Chang's neck rather than just using your immense strength to shove Chang's face in that thing? Like he did with Grace. But he... So he, he pushes Keep her spare. head... He pushes her head down so that her face is... Or get Grace to help you. All her hair falls forwards. Yeah. Right? Okay. She puts her hands up to her face as if she's going to cover her eyes to shield them from the brightness that's coming out of the portal. Mm-hmm. But what she actually does is hold her hair out of the way so that the light can get into her face better. You're not being sick, Grace. <laughs> You're trying to stop this. <laughs> Leave the hair. I like to think that the master is caring enough that he would hold her hair back. Well, yeah, her. like, you know, yeah, get hold of her hair in a ponytail so it's out of the way and you're holding her head and then put her face over the portal. Or, or, just, or just, you know, have her it, in a ponytail to begin with. Or don't, because or, it's horrible. Yeah, maybe just don't. <laughs> See, as all aspiring villains there, remember, it's the little details that matter. Yes. Totally. Absolutely. Don't make her hold her own hair back. That's a very uncaring villain. So anyway, it's it's officially New Year's uh, Day because uh, they they counted down from ten, and that the amount of emphasis they put on this countdown. My oh. God, I think we get it twice, don't we? Too many times. And yes. it ends on, and it's this it's incredibly British way of doing it, which by the way is not how you sell it to Americans. Ooh. You choose one or the other. If you're going to do the Terminator in Highlander, go all out and ape the Terminator in Highlander. If you're going to do quirky British, go all out and do quirky British. If you're going to merge the two, you do those two things really, really well. You don't do half-assed 
quarter-arsed, eighth-of-an-arsed versions of both. Anyway, so they go back in time to the 29th, because the Doc was going to drop them off on the 29th. Would that not leave them on a planet with a double of themselves? Shh, you're not meant to notice that. Yes, I am. I bloody am. They'd have to go back and primer themselves, like murder their duplicates. Or, well, if, uh, prestige if they, murdered, if they murder their duplicates, that are you, that are, they'd cease to exist, surely. Oh, God, I've gone all I've gone all oh, God, I've gone cross-eyed. I mean, basically, the best they could do under those circumstances is go and sleep in a hotel for a couple of days and just keep their heads down, because otherwise they'd create a major paradox! Also, the Doctor is notoriously bad at landing and aiming the TARDIS. Yeah. Mm, yes, not specific. And, right, okay. This he is might probably, this time crush Chang. This is probably a good point for me to ask the question that I wanted to ask you, Neil, right? Because, okay. Here we go. Right. How does the Doctor's ability to change time work? Oh, dear. Is it... <laughs> I realise the answer now. to this may be quite extensive, but basically, what the way it's always seemed to me is that he is kind of aware in advance of what events he can and can't change. Like he couldn't stop Pompeii erupting. Exactly. And most of what he does... V- Vesuvius erupting. Most of Sorry, what Sorry, I just he... made a Mr. Furious gag <laughs> there on purpose accidentally. Uh, most of what he engages in when, when he travels around and gets involved with human activities, which again makes sense if he is half human and wants to involve himself, it doesn't seem to be that he arrives and does big time-altering stuff himself. He arrives and influences the humans that are already within that timeline to do things to make outcomes different to what they were originally, kind of like a quantum leap once removed All right. sort of thing. But this whole going back in time and changing the, the, so that the eye was never opened and all the rest of it, that seems like a pretty massive thing. And if it's really, if you can do that, why not just go back to a time before you landed in damn San Francisco and unpick the whole thing? Because you're already the eighth doctor? Everybody I, at home, I'm confused. say it with me now. Timey-wimey-wimey. Timey-wimey-wimey. <laughs> Let's not... I mean, basically... Am I overthinking this? Yes. Basically... Technically, the, right, as far as I'm aware, the way it works in Doctor Who is... Obviously, time is also not a straight line, but they are what they call fixed points in time that he cannot change. Okay. For whatever reasons, those fixed points in time cannot be changed. So this was Everything a else is up for grabs unless it is crossing his own timeline which he cannot do. So he can't mess with things that he's already influenced already. Yes, he can't cross... Which, sooner or later, otherwise you... That's why they don't have, like, the five Doctors, the two Doctors, the three Doctors, they're doing crossovers all the time. So he can go to any point in space and time that he hasn't been to before? Yes. Uh, Or he has just left. (laughs) Right. But literally the whole point is... The way it seems to be, he cannot cross his own timeline. That would be bad. Right. I'm still hazy on the whole good bad thing. Egon, <laughs> Where I was yeah, don't cross the streams. <laughs> Egon, you're snot. You're mucus. Okay. So uh, he jumps to the morning of the first. Nobody said the word millennium. By the way, they're all happy New Yearing all over the shop. No one's like this is a new century. Meh. Plug. No one's like, this is a new millennium. That's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Another. Fi- can you think of another film that actually takes place on the uh, New Year's Eve 99? 
Just strange days. Bingo! Yeah, and they are making a big deal out of the fact that it's the millennium. They got Skunk and Nancy playing. Can I just say again, there's another movie I really want, would rather be watching. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Way more than this. Um, so, anyway. Wasn't there a big thing about how the year 2000 wasn't actually the first year of the new millennium? It was the last year of the um, Interjection. It was actually 2001. Mm. Yeah. But zero, zero, zero is a nice round number. Anyway, so Chang is told to be away next year. Like, you know, don't come here next year. Be away. And he's like, ah. Oh. But he doesn't go... Are my parents going to be okay? Do I need to get anyone else out of here? What's going to happen in San Francisco? Is it an earthquake? Is it, is it just a gangland killing? Will they still be waiting for me when I come back? I need deets. But he doesn't ask. He goes, all right then. Um, and then the eighth doctor settles in to read his book again. Only he's now the eighth and not the seventh. And listen to that same piece of music again. Oh, he says goodbye to Grace as well. Uh, no, 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 you can't. No, 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 no. We have. No, this is a controversial bit. All right. So, for a start, he, the non-controversial bit is he offers to take Grace with him. She right. declines. Okay. You know what? That's probably the first sensible move I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, no thanks. I'm staying. My horse yep. is staying here. Yep. The kiss. The kiss. This is sort of like the first kiss and. People don't tend to like that because this is sort of a habit the new has new who has really really badly of companion falls in love with Doctor. Yeah. Oh. What about when he kissed her earlier? That wasn't. But the kiss stuff is basically weird because that's not something that you know the Doctor does. Hmm. Well, how could you not fall in love with that? Though, it, it does kind of right. I get that it's not really something that had ever happened before. Um, although, frankly, I know I was about five, but Peter Davidson was to hotness, and um, you know, there you go. Was that when There's he? There's a reason he's my doctor. Um, Sharon, was that was that when he didn't have his arm up a cow's backside? Uh, yes, yes, and yeah, I did watch a lot of um, All Creatures Great and Small, so. <laughs> Because um, that was actually there's a little aside here. All Creatures Great and Small. Any British people who know that TV show, that was my vet. I lived in um, Thirsk, which is where All Creatures Great and Small is set, and James Herriot's son um, was the vet that attempted to cure my mouse of cancer. So there you go. Did did he succeed? He did the first time, then it came back. Oh. Um, I made myself sad. (laughs) But there you go. Anyway. Was um, this going somewhere? Not really, no. Mouse Um, cancer. (laughs) You're welcome, <laughs> folks. There's your commission working for you, Andy Natan. Um, but yeah, for some strange reason, the image of Peter Davidson strapped to a wall in a cave was somewhat persistent in my head for quite a lot of years. Um, but, uh, but no wonder you read Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> um, I didn't like it very much, though. Um, but... Um, Uh, Yeah, the idea that the Doctor hadn't really involved himself in human physical contact to that point, and then all of a sudden it became a thing, does sort of make sense. Because every Doctor, correct me if I'm wrong, seems to acquire something from previous Doctors. Mm. Some things change, some things stick. Obviously, with with ten, shagging stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) The young doctor. 
By the way, everybody British and approaching 40 who's now having an acid flashback, you're welcome. Personally, the kiss has actually never bothered me. It's just one of those things that other Who fans seem to be really bugged by. The only time it really bugs me is, like I said, in New Who, where the, every companion seems to develop the hots for the Doctor. It's like, oh, for mm, sake. Hmm. Yes. Oh, I think even um, Captain Jack got the hots for him at one point, although I do admit... Captain Jack has the hots for everybody. For everybody. I miss Captain Jack. He was so good. Whatever happened to Captain Jack? Uh, they made a really, really shitty spin-off show called Torchwood. Oh, no, I know about that, but whatever happened to Captain Jack in Does Torchwood? Did he die at some Pass. point? I know he ends I... up as, like, the oh. face of Bo. That's him. Oh, God, of yes. course it is, yeah. He's um... meant to be the face of Bo. I much prefer the fact he buggered off to Starling City and went evil and became Merlin. <sighs> Malcolm Merlin. <sighs> yeah, folks, if you ever want to hear us talk about Doctor Who again... Um... We won't do one off the bat, because we've just talked a lot of Doctor Who for you right now. But if you wanted to really get us interested, maybe a couple of episodes. I'm thinking Blink and The Girl in the Fireplace. Mm-hmm. I think those might be two of our favourites. And yeah. maybe the one where the Doctor is uh, has amnesia and it's his brain is contained within his watch. That was a great one, actually. The Family of Blood. Um, I think those are like three in a row from season three. Um, so yeah, uh, if you, if you want to commission us to do more Doctor Who, you can. I'm not going to request it, but if you get if you pick good episodes, we will we'll we'll hash it and out. I think the usual caveat should apply as well that if you suggest a particular episode and we watch it and we get so little from it that we really can't do anything to do it justice, then we will mm-hmm. decline. Yeah. Although, I mean, like, we, I, I sent um, a message to uh, Andy Natten saying, uh, I don't think we can do this film. <laughs> I think we are going to sit down and talk about it for as much as we can. And, uh, you know, if, if a show comes of that, great. If a show does not come of that, name another film. And uh, Andrew said, um, Scott Pilgrim. And we are going to do that at some point, but it's way down the list. So, but I think this was a rollicking good show. Helps when you have a Huvian on board, doesn't it? Yes, yes, it really does. Thank you, Neil. I, I think this is actually the... <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been me and Alex asking ourselves rhetorical questions yeah. several times. We definitely put in the hours, though. We watched that film twice. We watched all the extras. We listened to the bloody boring-ass commentaries. I did all kinds of research into it. And, you know, we, we, we talked to other Who stuff. I think that this is a solid commission show. And we get up to, like, yeah, two hours. So, yeah. And what is very nice, up until we get the very short... The, is it the Night of the Doctor? Night of the Doctor, yeah. Which not only brings back Paul McGann and mm, introduces, mm. obviously, John Hurt as the War Doctor, also brings into canon mm-hmm. um, the Big Fish audio adventures, which expanded yeah. on on McGann's adventures, which was just a nice little touch, I think. Thank you for Be- mentioning those, because I, I'm expecting people to go, if you like the Eighth Doctor, you've got to get into these audiobooks, because I, we know I'm- about them. I'm not into the Big Finish audiobooks. I don't like them, I'm afraid. Um, I'm just not really keen on there. It's, it's, you do better audio. I'm sorry, you do. Yeah. It's just people talking and whenever I've listened, it's just two people talking with sound effects and you have no real grasp of, I'm not able to form a picture in my mind. I listen to yours or I listen to any, you know, an audiobook off Audible. I can form the picture in my mind. I know where people are in the room. I can't do that with Big Finish. I'm, just because I'm not keen on them doesn't mean they're bad. It's just it's just a thing that I'm not into. 
But if you folks at home like Big Finish Audio, you might want to go one better and go for some new century. Uh, Neil, which ones have you listened to so far? I, I've not actually picked your I am um, behind. I know you're doing... I've got to get this right. Princess Thieves? It's the Princess Thieves. Thank Princess you. of Thieves is a uh, Kira Knightley as the daughter of Robin Hood film, which we really need to see. Really? Yeah. She's young. It's it's a it's before she broke. But uh, how, yeah, how do I know, how do I not know of a Robin Hood film? Very it's... low key Disney film it was released just before Kira Knightley was a thing. Wait, wait. So I, one, I don't know of a Robin Hood film. Two, it's Disney. Hmm? For those of you who don't realise this, I'm from Nottingham. Yeah. So Robin Hood be special prepared to be all Hood. kinds of offended. <laughs> <laughs> Will it offend me more than that? I don't know. Australian. I'll, I'll wa- I will watch it and get back to you because I mean we have a vested interest in in seeing this just so we can go. No, no, it's not the same as Princess of Thieves, The Princess Thieves, different scenario. Although Robin Hood is involved, and it, obviously both of them deliberately evoke Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, on purpose. Ow, Jesus Christ! Frightfully sorry. Lot of fuss and bother in the dark, and I can't have you wandering off. Ah. Ow! Blast! Robin had picked himself up and, without checking his horribly bruised foot had launched himself onto Mortimer's back. Mortimer was currently on Gwen's back, and so Gwen sank to the floor, groaning. Would you both get the hell off me? I can't breathe. You get off me, Dwart. I have a testicle removal gun with your name on it. Your testicle gun says Robin Hood on it. Well, if you went to the trouble of personalising it for me, I shall accept it. Hey! Okay, now I'm going to get that back. And use it twice. Seriously, too heavy. I will roll on the pair of you. That's a tempting offer. What do you say, Mortimer? Oh, you know me. You know me. I know how much I can get for you on top of her recovery, so I think... Hey! Oh, sod a dog. Did she just... Did she just handcuff you to me? It would appear so. Both of you get off! The Princess Thieves. Now available for a limited time for free in a complete 25-episode podcast series. Just go to iTunes and search for The New Century Multiverse. But yeah, so I've been quite happy with the way that this one's turned out in the end. Uh, I, I never you... finished how, what happened to him, though, did I? He's, he's, he's back to his record. He's reading his book. He's eating his jelly babies. And then it goes, brrr, and it starts skipping the same as it did when the, the show started. And he goes, oh, not again, which is the third worst, like, sequel line uh, after... At number one, at the moment, I believe, uh, We Hate Movies just knocked this up above You Guys Are Never Gonna Believe This, which was previously the the worst line, which is Daisy at the end of Super Mario Brothers. Now, worse than that, Brent Spiner at the end of Independence Day Resurgence. Let's kick some alien butt! That, I mean, that one's garbage fire for me because of the fact that Star Trek is all about let's work with the aliens rather than going in and killing them all. That that made me ill to watch. And remember, Sharon and I are saving up for a holiday in August, our first family vacation ever. We've already got the plane tickets. If you guys want a show commissioned, that would also help us with paying for other stuff. Food, hotels, stuff to do. So that's kind of an everybody wins situation. So act now rather than wait until September. So that was Doctor Who... (laughs) 
Doctor Who the movie, seven years late or nine years early, you be the judge. Um, we hope you enjoyed this show, Andy Natten. And if you folks at home want to toss us a curveball like this again, we will put in the time if you really want to put in the dollars. But as with the Ms. Marvel show, you can club together. That was a commission that started with a tweet and turned into a ready-to-roll show in about 10 minutes. So it's always worth a shot. Many thanks to our good friend Neil Taylor for coming on again. Where can they find you and your best stuff, Neil? You can find me on Game Burst, and you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com uh, forward slash the kid dog, where I do my short history of videos. And there's, I, I've got to watch some, uh, I haven't actually yet watched your Gizmodo um, thing yet. Just a bunch of sort of like archival old ass consoles. Well, I've Alex, I've got one to tempt you with. Now, okay. this is probably, I don't know when the show goes out, but hopefully the video will be up. Couple of I minutes. have spent the majority of today playing Resident Evil <gasps> 1.5. <gasps> The Lost Resident Evil 2. Okay. Screen footage? Yes, I actually have a working copy. Oh, nice. Okay, so when's that out? That will be out... Da, 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 what date is it today? It's the 9th, so it will be out on the 17th. 17th of, of February. February. Okay, well, that'll that'll be already available, folks, so you go check that out. Um, being a massive, massive Resident Evil 2 fan, I am drooling at the prospect of an HD version, like the, given the full GameCube-style remaster, <laughs> and then the HD-style remaster of the GameCube remaster, because that was a superbly balanced game. So, yeah, um, looking forward to all kinds of Resident Evil stuff. Uh, I think we, we might cover that, I think. I'm that much. <laughs> you know I'm back for that one because yeah. that is my favourite of the franchise. Enter the liquors. Um, <laughs> and we will, I mean, because that bit. Oh, that bit. It's just, just the way you, you said it. <laughs> you just, you open the door and then you come in and go, K-kung, and then you hear a click, click, click. And it's the first time you've not seen one. And then, like, it cuts to that CG, which was so amazing back in the day. And it's like, that's how they introduced these guys terrifying and they just scuttle along the floor and it's oh yeah re2 cannot wait get on that thing capcom from the sounds of it re7 pretty good uh okay i have watched an entire playthrough uh two playthroughs from different people my god i get what people say that first half is very resident evil but different and then becomes resident evil and it's good honestly it is really good right i will be i said it's so good i want to try and play that game in vr Ooh, yeah no i would poop myself and we will be back next week with the terry gilliam classic brazil another commission show from you guys i don't think sharon's even seen it before so that's going to be interesting so i've been alex shaw i've been sharon shaw and school's out, out.